In this episode, we're talking about how to expand and go big in Amazon Europe. Today, I am joined by Amazon Europe expert, Stephen Summers. Stephen will break down everything you need to know before you break into the EU marketplaces. There's so much opportunity right now in Europe, so let's go get it. Hey, hey, everybody, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 138 of the Private Labeler Show. I'm your wonderful host, Nick Landowski, and thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you guys. Now, I hope you guys are all pumped up and taking action in your businesses and just getting out there and making it happen. As I look around, everybody, there's so much opportunity to be had. So just get out there and take what's yours. Now, I have an excellent show in store for you today as I am going to be joined by the one and only Stephen Summers from Marketplace Superheroes. Now, Stephen is going to break down the ins and the outs of the Amazon European marketplaces. So if you've ever considered expanding your business to the EU, then this is the podcast for you because Steven is going to blow the lid off this one and get super in-depth on some really important subjects that you guys are all wondering about when you think of the EU marketplace, talking about VAT taxes, business entities, shipping and logistics, sales stuff, how to position yourself for success. The list goes on. We really dive into a lot of fantastic topics and really get deep. So there's just so much opportunity, as I mentioned right now, especially in the European marketplaces on Amazon that sellers need to be taking advantage of. And this has me all and should have you guys very excited as well. So Stephen is a fantastic resource for us to help us expand our thriving businesses into Europe. So before we get to that interview in just a moment, I wanted to throw out a very quick reminder about the Jungle Scout contest, the Jungle Scout giveaway contest that I, uh, I'm doing again. So a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I threw it out there, said, hey, we're going to give away a free license to Jungle Scout again. You guys were super pumped up about that. A lot of you guys have entered in, but there's a little bit more time. So I wanted to mention it on this podcast. So we'll probably pick a winner within the next few days or so. So if you haven't yet entered, I would highly recommend that you do so if you want a free license to Jungle Scouts. So to get entered, if you're not entered already, simply find my YouTube channel and find this exact video upload or podcast upload and simply subscribe to the channel and hit the notifications bell. So once you got that done, then on this video, simply like the video and in the comment section below, just simply comment I want Jungle Scout, okay? So very, very simple, just knock that out. And if you wanna do other stuff besides I want Jungle Scout in the comments, you wanna make it fun, knock yourself out. Um, but yeah, those are the basic things. So to subscribe, hit the notifications bell for the YouTube channel and find this video, like it, and then put that comment down below. And then probably in the next few days, what I'll do is we'll end the contest and we'll pick a winner and I'll get in touch with you and we'll get you all set with your own license for Jungle Scout. So uh, just a few more days, guys. So pause this podcast right now and, and take care of that. That way you get entered in. So that's that. Good luck to you. 
Okay, so let's get to the interview with Steven Summers. And as always, guys, if you want the show notes and any links that we are going to be mentioning in this video, make sure you check those show notes out. Head over to privatelabelershow.com forward slash 138. So without further ado, let's rock and roll with Steven Summers. Hey, everybody. I would like to welcome Mr. Steven Summers to the show. Welcome, Steven. Nick, thank you so much for having me. I am really excited about today, about getting into this and talking about Europe. It's going to be great. Yes, all about Europe today. So, Steven, could you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, like a little 30-second commercial about who you are and why you're awesome and uh, <laughs> kind of how'd you get wrapped up into this crazy world we call e-commerce and Amazon? Sure, I'd be delighted to. So yes, my name is Stephen Summers. I am from Ireland. I'm the co-founder of Marketplace Superheroes with my business partner, Robert Rickey. Um, I've been selling on Amazon and involved in this Amazon world now for about nine years. Robert has been involved in e-commerce for about 20 years, 20 plus years actually. And so yeah, we started, we started selling on Amazon, well, I say nine years ago, but we started Marketplace Superheroes about four years ago. Uh, we've helped now, well, over 4,000 people now learn our process of selling on Amazon globally. And so in that process, we've built a freight company as well called Superhero Freight, uh, where we make shipping really easy from China to US, China to Europe, China to Australia. And, you know, we're just helping lots of people do this. Uh, love, love it all. I uh, love talking about Europe specifically because we're in Europe. Uh, we've, we've built our business globally. And it's something that I think a lot of Amazon sellers don't really know very much about and so my goal today nick is just to share as much as i can about how europe works how to set yourself up the right way and enable people to multiply their amazon business by getting their products across into the european markets excellent yeah um you know i was kind of kind of happy when we decided to talk about europe just because i realized for my audience i haven't really I haven't really talked a whole lot about it lately. Yeah. And uh, I know that there's so much going on with not just Europe, but other emerging markets out there beyond the US. So I figure this is, this is excellent that we can kind of give this attention. And I know that a lot of listeners and sellers out there are very, very interested in kind of expanding and scaling you know, yes. their existing brands and products to you know, basically all over the globe at this point. So we're going to be focusing just a lot on Europe today. Yeah. Um, I, I guess just as a, as a whole, as, as a whole platform of Amazon, you said you've been in the game for you know, a handful of years, about nine years, which I'm sure you've seen a lot happen during that time, yeah. Stephen. I guess what has you the most excited about Amazon as a platform right now? Yeah, it's a great question. I think Amazon, you know, it's an interesting one. Like people, people say different things because I think there's so many different approaches to building a business on Amazon. Uh, very briefly, we define two, two major processes on Amazon, and there's a point why I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this. We, we have the marketplace approach, and we have the brand approach. So the marketplace approach is, is where you look at Amazon like almost like a stock market, and you find in-demand, low-competition products, and your objective is to sell as many of them as you can, different products, in as many markets as you can. And then you have the brand approach, which is very much, I'm building a brand, I'm going to leverage Amazon as one of my sources of distribution. And I'm going to try and get my products into as many Amazon markets as I can. But the brand is my main focus. Therefore, I'm going to sell it's like closely uh, tied together products. I'm going to be in one niche. I'm going to sell similar products, et cetera, and build a product line. So there are the two approaches as, as we see them. And so what I'm excited about is the fact that, you know, 
Amazon as a platform now is enabling people to kind of pick one way or the other, and they both have pros and cons, and it's enabling people to really scale whatever type of company they want on Amazon. Meaning, if you want to build a, a big brand, you can really leverage the power of Amazon to get that initial scale, those initial sales, that initial validation, and then you can scale off of Amazon at the same time. Whereas if you're in the marketplace approach, the beauty of it is you can still sell your products on Amazon, research on Amazon, scale out on Amazon with less competitive items, and build a really cool business. And so when you put all that together, what I'm most excited about, and it's not just with Amazon, it's the idea that we can literally live in, our, in wherever we want. We can build a global business where we're selling the same products to different people in multiple countries. And of course, we still get all those same benefits from Amazon of them shipping it out on our behalf. And when you're into multiple countries, Amazon taking care of customer support in different languages. So I'm just excited about the emerging markets. I'm excited about the fact that, you know, the, the Amazon platform is becoming more and more legit now as we're getting into, you, you know, brand registry is becoming a very important thing now so that companies are able to protect themselves a lot more on the, on the platform. And I'm just excited. I think a lot of people out there, Nick, as I'm sure you, you hear it a lot too, people talk about, you know, oh, it's saturated, it's, it's, it's that, it's the other. And I actually, I just don't believe it is. I think in certain product categories, yeah, like there's tons of competition. But if you look at Amazon as a whole, like there's hundreds of millions of different products that can be sold. And I think if you widen the scope of what you sell and you widen the scope of where you sell, it's just the, the opportunities are just growing every single day. So I'm excited about the global aspect. And I know that's what I'm talking about here today, but genuinely, that's what has me excited about any business. The fact you and I can even speak here today is because we have the internet and we can do, we, you know, we, I live in Ireland, you live in the States, yet we both have global businesses where people can buy things from us, can hear our messages while we're asleep in some cases. And that's just amazing to me. Yeah, um, I think the global aspect gets me really excited as well. I, you know, from time to time, I'll, you know, see kind of where my orders are going out across the globe. And I kind of have to pinch myself, you know, I'll see these random countries out there. And it's like, <laughs> it puts it all in perspective. I'm like, you know, I'm just some dude in, a, in some in shorts and a t-shirt in Florida here right now, you know, <laughs> yeah. ready, to, ready to go to the beach or the water. And it's like, I got this business where I can reach people from all over the world. And yeah. Amazon obviously has the, the, the infrastructure to make that happen. So I'm just, you know, I think we're all grateful for the opportunities kind of given to us. And it's just, it's super exciting right now, just kind of think where things are going, Amazon's reach and kind of just, you know, the ability to be able to, to run a business like this is it's, it's crazy really. So. Yeah, I agree. It, and, and I think the ability to really legitimize our companies too, right. Whereby, you know, you, you're picking up orders from different countries and those people are only seeing your products because they're coming to, amazon.com and they're searching for those types of products whereas then yeah you start to take those items and get them into different countries and different languages and you know yourself you, you can just see the the sheer growth that can happen without having to do anything particularly like inverted commas ninja simply just getting your products in front of more people it's going to help you make more sales and that's it can be as simple as that too which i think when you find a strategy that's simple and works it's so motivating then because all of a sudden you, you kind of unlock a new level of growth like you're playing a computer game or something <laughs> without having to be or do anything kind of crazy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive into some of the specifics about Europe. Um, obviously, yeah. there are a lot of markets out there. Obviously, the main big market everybody you know, probably is selling on is Amazon.com US and then you got Mexico, Canada. Um, kind of in that string there, but then you have a few other emerging markets that are kind of coming online, some Asia stuff, Japan, 
Um, looks like the Middle East is kind of in play right now as well. Um, mm -hmm. But what about Europe? What is it about Europe that uh, you should you would tell sellers that they hey they got to get to Europe they got to get their products out there? Why is Europe awesome? Yeah. Well, number one, I would actually get my products uh, to like Amazon.com is an amazing market, of course. But I would be I would say the next the next place you should be looking to get your products is, is to Europe. And and if you look at Canada and, and Amazon Mexico, they can be difficult to get products to. Number one, it can be difficult to set up, and they're still good. They're decent markets and all. But Canada and Mexico are relatively small markets, you know, and so is Australia, by the way. A lot of people are obsessed with Australia. It's a great market. It's somewhere where a lot of our sellers are moving there too. But at the end of the day, you know, the, the EU market is the single biggest opportunity outside the US right now, simply down to the fact that number one is the population. You know, there's, there's, there's hundreds of millions of people, over 500 million people in the EU area that, that can be sold to, which is big. Uh, the, the EU5, as we call them right now, which is Amazon.co.uk, Germany, France, Italy, and Spain. Over 200 million people live in those countries cumulatively, number one. So that's pretty exciting. The second reason that Europe is really exciting is because if you think about it, you have like, say, Germany. Well, there's countries near Germany like uh, Poland and also Austria. Austria actually have them the same language as Germany. So all of a sudden, like, it's not that you can just sell in countries like Germany, but the surrounding countries that share a language or know the language are actually looking on those sites then because in Ireland right now, we have to look at Amazon.co.uk uh, to purchase something because Ireland doesn't have like necessarily its own Amazon site. We, we kind of use the UK still, uh, which again, you can go to Amazon.ie, but you're still redirected. And so, yeah, that's a huge opportunity. So there's hundreds of millions of potential customers uh, from a very practical level, though, Amazon have done a, a lot of really cool things to make it very simple for sellers to expand into the European market. And the first one is what they call the EFN, which is the European Fulfillment Network. And how that works is you can send all your stock to one Amazon country, to one Amazon fulfillment center. And it might be two fulfillment centers in the one country if you've got oversized items or whatever. But let's just keep it simple and just imagine it's one one fulfillment center for now. Whereas in the US, as you know, like you're gonna be you're gonna be splitting up your orders into a lot of different fulfillment centers typically. In Europe, it doesn't really work the same way because the, the countries are a lot smaller, the geographic areas are a lot smaller. So you can send your stock to one country, hold your stock in that one country. You then just translate your listings into German, French, Italian, Spanish, and then basically inside one Amazon account that you have, you actually have the global Amazon account now at this point, uh, you can literally just manage your inventory by a drop down menu and your stocks in one country, you make a sale to say a German person that can go out from, let's just say your UK stock, if your stocks in the UK to that German person. And that's it. You don't have to do anything more than that. So that's the EFN. It's a really cool way to start in Europe because people say things to me all the time. Like Stephen, like what's the best market to start in Europe and I'm like all of them because you only have to translate your listing you don't have to do really anything else to begin with because you can house all your inventory in one country it's a massive benefit Europe has over any other market right now on Amazon in my opinion and, and practically as well so, so, that's one. so yeah, do, do they have uh, speaking of the shipping of uh, your inventory you said you can send it in just to one defined location and it'll kind of split up um, after that but is there an option where you can send it into each market individually? Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's what we call, that's kind of phase two then. So we call it MCI, which is multi-country inventory. And that happens, so, so there's, a, there's a bit to explain here on that. And we're not going to get into the weeds too much, but it's, it's quite simple. It just is a little bit to understand if you're new to it. But, but how Europe works as a whole is, it, it's all defined by VAT. And I know that was one of the big questions and is the big question people have. And first of all, I wanted to let everybody listening know, VAT is not scary, all right? I know it can seem scary when you're not from Europe, but basically it's just the sales tax. Like you have sales taxes in the US, and obviously sales taxes in the US are somewhat of a gray area, let's just say. In Europe, they're, they're not gray, they're very defined, they're, and they're quite simple. And it depends on the country that you're selling in, but VAT rates vary. Now, the, the thing about it is that when you sell your stock in Europe, and let's just imagine you're a US seller for now, well, it doesn't make sense for you, number one, to, to put your products into multiple countries from day one. You might be wondering, why is that? Well, the answer is because if you're, if you're coming into Europe as a non-EU entity, which I don't recommend, and I will explain today why, uh, let's just say you are, though. So a US entity, you're an LLC, uh, you're coming into selling Europe with your LLC. You get your stock into... Uh, each of the different countries, well, let's just say you get your stock into the UK just to begin with. You use the EFN. You're holding it all in the UK and you, you make your products available for sale in all the different European countries like we talked about, translate your listings. What happens is immediately you have to register for VAT in the UK. Very normal. You're a non-EU entity. You don't have what they call a VAT threshold. You have to register from day one and that's okay. But the problem is when you make a sale to a German person from the UK, that UK stock, as a non-EU entity, right? The problem is that you immediately have to register for German VAT because you don't have any VAT threshold. You've made a sale to somebody in Germany and technically now you have to register in Germany for VAT. Not an ideal situation and there is an answer to it. Then if somebody bought from Austria, you gotta register in Austria. France, you gotta register in France, so on and so forth. And it's just this mess. And the only reason it's a mess is because a lot of companies come to Europe with just the wrong structure. So the structure we, we suggest, and again, we can't tell anybody what to do for liability reasons, because uh, you know, people have to choose what they want to do. But typically, we see people set up a UK limited company. Now, let's you can talk about Brexit all you want. We don't know what's happening with that just now. We're not too concerned about it. Amazon are not too concerned about it. They, it's, it'll get sorted out like anything. So let's just forget about that for now, Nick, if we don't mind, because it's yeah, just let's, all, let's not dive into the Brexit madness. It, madness. It, it just be, it'll just be, uh, again, I don't think anything's going to happen really, but anyway, we'll see. So, so let's just put that to the side for a second. So you put your, your UK limited company set up. You don't have to fly to the UK to do that. You can do it easily. We actually do it for our members. We've got a thing called Superhero Office where we do all that for our, for our members. Uh, you can actually set up a payments account with companies like fire.com. Uh, again, don't have to fly to the UK for that. You can set it up from, from anywhere in the world. Uh, and now all of a sudden, you, you have this in place. You, you now bring your stock to, to the UK as before, but now you make a sale to a German person You've registered for VAT in the UK just the same as the other example, but all of a sudden now, because you're a UK limited company, you're VAT registered, you don't have to register for VAT when you make your, a sale to that German person from your UK stock. And, and that's because you have a UK limited company in place, right? At a very basic level. So that's the EFN model, the European Fulfillment Network model, as a, as a UK limited company, even 
and if you're a non-EU resident, right? Simple right. enough. Now, the MCI situation then, it's that multi-country inventory situation where we want to ship to more countries. The reason that we don't recommend you do that from day one, even if you're a UK limited company, is kind of like in the US, if you send stock to another country, like you would send stock to another state in the US, you're creating a tax nexus in that case, right? Mm -hmm. now, now, that can be fine when you validate that, that, say, Germany is a good market for you. It's working well. I'm making sales via the UK. I'm very happy to send my stock to Germany now. Why? Because I know it's working for me. And you're going to make more money. Because when you use the EFN, you have to pay a slight additional fee to Amazon. That's only a couple of euro. But still, that couple of euro, it does affect your bottom line. So we use the EFN to validate the other markets. And then when we start to see signs of life, you know, green shoots, whatever you want to call them, we then would send our stock to those other countries because we're going we're gonna to save on shipping. We're going to make more money. And we're, do, we're just doing things the right way. Amazon can get something to the end customer a lot faster. Now, as a UK limited company then, all we have to do is, is, basically, is basically register for VAT in those different countries. Uh, very simple. And, and so, so that's, that's as simple as that when you send your stock to another country. Uh, the other side of it too is if you never send your stock to another European country, you stay in the UK, you're UK limited company, you have what they call a distance selling threshold. So let's say you're selling stock to Germany from the UK, UK limited company, you're making sales, making sales, making sales. Basically you can make as, as it stands and it changes in Germany, I believe it's still the same. You can make up to a hundred thousand euro of sales uh, without having to register for VAT while holding your stock in the UK. And, and once you get over that threshold, you might as well send your stock to Germany because you're going to have to register for VAT anyway. I know there was a lot to unpack there, but if you listen back through to it, it's pretty logical. It's pretty simple. And honestly, nobody here should be taking care of this yourself. You can, we, we do it for our clients all the time. Super simple. It's not, it's not that costly to do it. Uh, you know, companies can monitor your VAT movements. They can monitor everything for you. And it's very simple. And even if you're a small company, like don't worry about the fact that maybe you only have, you know, a few, three, five SKUs. It's still more than worth your while to, to come into Europe because to set up a company, just a couple of hundred bucks, you know, set up a payments account. Technically there's no cost because buyer don't charge you anything. So it's very inexpensive to do this. Uh, and, and then, you know, accounting for things in Europe, it's, it's a similar price point to, uh, it's actually less than accounting for your business in the UK. Depends on revenue typically, turnover typically, but it's, it's not a whole lot of money. So for a very small amount of money, you can double your reach, uh, more than double your reach, depending on how many markets you put your, your products into. So it's really interesting. So I know that was very technical, Nick, but people want to know the, the technicalities. And for anybody listening who's been doing it the wrong way, I've just saved you thousands of dollars with that that structure. And that's the way I would recommend you do it. Excellent. Yeah, that's uh, great information there. I would just uh, recommend and encourage the listeners there maybe to go back and listen to what Stephen there just said kind of again. And obviously, if you have questions, um, you know, you said that your company works with sellers to get set up correctly for those business entities that we kind of just spoke of, right? 
oh yeah, we can just, we do, we can do all of that for people. No problem whatsoever. Um, we, it's not something we offer typically to the public. We haven't in the past, but we will do through superhero office. But if you like, I mean, if, if you go to superherooffice.com, if there's not like an opt-in form or something like that, literally you can just email support at marketplace and we can get you guys set up. If there's nothing there, there should be something there whenever you, if people listen to that, this on the show. Uh, so yeah, we do it all day long. We typically just do it for clients of our educational programs. But as I say, we're opening the doors now to, to, to inverted commas non-members now because these are services that we've built, we've honed, and we're happy to do it for people now to help them expand their business. Um, I want to just backtrack just for a quick second here. Um, what would be the benefits of, let's say you just ship all your stock into the UK. And as you mentioned, if somebody buys in Germany, you know, it'll get shipped over or whatever. Um, why yeah. wouldn't I just stay that route? Or is there, is there advantages mm -hmm. for shipping times for the customer to have yeah. it in each individual country kind of separately? So is there going to be like a difference yeah. on Amazon where it'll say, Hey, it's going to, it, you know, it'll get here X amount of days and it's going to be all different then depending upon where that is that stock yeah. is warehoused. Great question. Yeah. And, it, and it, the answer is it depends. So if I'll, I'll unpack a few points. The first thing is I mentioned it a minute ago, but I, I also mentioned a bit of a million other things. So it's hard to take it all in. So, so, so the answer is, first of all, is that EFN uh, system, you'll pay an EFN fee. There's an additional little charge when you send your stock, say to Germany from the UK, because it has to fly a bit further. And again, I have to look up the exact, the, the latest rate, but it's usually about one or two euro additional on top of, uh, you know, your, your other fees. So that's number one, you're paying this additional fee, this EFN fee. Uh, so you knock that out whenever you ship your stock to Germany when the time is right. So that's number one, you'll make more money. Number two, yes, it depends on the product. Sometimes it shows, sometimes it doesn't. It used to always show, you know, this is not stored here locally, so it's gonna take another four days or whatever. Sometimes they remove that. Sometimes it's on there. It depends on the product. Uh, but, but, but yes, like, I mean, and again, I can't prove this like a lot of things with Amazon because you don't know, you can't see inside. But we have always seen when we put our stock into the country, for whatever reason, sales just started to grow a lot faster. And I think that just comes down to an internal algorithm within Amazon. That if your stock is located in that country, you get bumped up a little bit more ahead of other people simply because Amazon know they can ship it out a bit faster and it's better for their customer. So yeah. that, that's the, that's the answer. But again, for you as the business owner, it, you've got to weigh that up. You know, the, when, when's the right time? Cause I know I'm going to cause a tax nexus here versus I'm validating the market. I'm testing it. I think for a lot of people listening, just start with the EFN, uh, get some data back on the markets and then you can, you know, you feel more confident about it and you can see it's going to be a worthy thing to do then just send your stock to those other countries and get that registered and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I guess from like my seller's cap I was kind of putting on there and yep. even my buyer's cap, I was thinking about, you know, when I order things on the internet, if shipping's gonna be too long, then sometimes I'll just be like, yeah, I'm not gonna do that because Amazon has kind of spoiled a lot of us into this extreme fast <laughs> shipping. And, yeah. you know, like if I order something from Amazon, I can sometimes get it just normal prime shipping. I can get it by the next morning or whatever. Know, um, yeah. Or if I do my one and one or two hour delivery, I can get it right away. And it's like a lot of times when I go to other retailers online, if it takes like a week, week and a half, I'm like, wow, that's crazy. I don't want to do that. So therefore I was kind of thinking, man, is that going to hurt you if, you know, shop, you know, saw a shopper in Germany wants to order your item 
and they see that it's yeah. going to take like a week, week and a half. I don't know if they're spoiled yet like that. You know, if Amazon's kind of maybe oh, not. Oh, yeah, as... they are. Okay. They're definitely spoiled. Uh, yeah, we, it's typically uh, Prime in the UK and Europe is, is, is standard next day delivery, uh, a standard. So, so, yeah, the people are spoiled and same day deliveries are available in certain areas as well. So, no doubt it's the very same. And, and yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, my business partner, Robert, always taught me when I first started working with him, he said something. I think it's so true. He said, you know, the minute the customer places the order button, it's already late, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, I, and I, I think that's true many times. So, so no doubt you, you will get more benefit when you do locate in the countries. However, because the, the catalogs are not quite as big in Europe as in the U.S., you know, it's not quite as big an issue. So it's not at a huge disadvantage. But, but I would say, I would say you, you definitely can start with the EFN and then when the time is right, change it over. Makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what, are the, what are the big differences that you see between, let's say, the, the Euro market and the U.S. market? Obviously, we established, yeah, the U.S. market's bigger and more mature. But what are the other differences that, that people see from like a selling point of view? Yeah, I think the big thing is language, obviously. Like, I mean, you know, it's obvious that if something is in German or French or Italian or Spanish, we have to translate it. But even even the UK, you know, like the, the thing to consider is your US listing may not uh, be as well optimized in the UK as it would be in the US, you know, from because think about it, like we use we use different words to, to describe different things in, in the UK and in Ireland that, that we do in the US. Like, I mean, if you think even simple stuff like, you know, the back of your car, when you, you open it up and you can put stuff in it. In the U.S., you call it, what do you call that, Nick? Back of your car? Trunk, trunk. right? Yeah. We, we call it the boot in, in the U.K. and Ireland, right? It's a different thing altogether. Oh, that's, that's bizarre. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And like uh, you guys would call, um, we call it jumper. You guys would call it a sweater. You know, it's things okay. like that, right? Yep. So there's yep. these different words that we use to describe the same thing. So, so you got to be aware of that number one. And so, you know, you can use different keyword tools and whatever to, to, to identify, but what, what is the right keyword for my product in the UK? And you'll find that, you know, the keywords you maybe are ranking for in the US, maybe that's not the keyword that, that you're going to rank, you need to rank for in the UK, for example. So that's a big change that, that, we see, and really that's a case of, you know, number one, time researching on Amazon, looking at competitive listings uh, is, is the simplest way to, to get yourself familiar with it uh, at, you know, at a very simple level. Then when it comes to translating your, your products, you know, we actually have a translation service now because a lot of people needed it. So a lot of our members of our programs, you know, they understand the Amazon platform. So we just naturally have people from all over the world taking our courses. So we actually brought them on as translators. So we, we can offer that uh, when people come in and work with us. Uh, but, uh, but if you don't work with us, which is totally cool, by the way, you know, you, there's, there's companies we've used like translated.net. Uh, they're a pretty good service. Uh, there's other ones out there. But I find a lot of these e-commerce services, they're really overly expensive for what you get. Uh, whereas a service like translated.net is pretty good. But you should really spend more money on your translation. Uh, Amazon offer translation services, and I always found they were not good, personally. Uh, really poor, as a matter of fact. The, sometimes you'd even have your, your Spanish listings would be in English still and stuff like that. So I've seen that before. So I don't recommend the Amazon translation services, even though they can be free. Uh, they're free for a reason, I would say. So I would recommend those sort, sort of services to translate your listings. And a lot of people get really concerned about, you know, am I going to know the right keywords? Am I going to know this? Am I going to know that? I think the first thing to consider is when you use a service like translated.net, I always let them know 
this is an Amazon listing. And typically I find that the keywords that come back are, are pretty close to the right ones. And, and how I determine that is I literally take the, the keyword title, I put it into Google Translate. So I have the English and I have the Google Translate listing side by side. And you can hover over different phrases on either side of the screen and it'll, it'll, it'll highlight the corresponding phrase on the other side of the screen. So you can hover over the English uh, words and they'll hover over the, the German uh, words on the other side. And this is from your translated listing you've received back from a service, right? So in that way, you can start to identify what are the different words that they translated your keywords as. You can then take those keywords in German, put them back into amazon.de, literally paste them in, and then you can see what are the results you get back. You can start to identify, are they the best listings? Are they the ones that are selling the most by checking the BSR? And from there, you can start to identify, well, what are the other keywords that are in those titles that are not in my one? By simply copying the German, different German words that you see that are not in your one, you can identify that much, right? Put it back into Google Translate, and you can start to see these other phrases that might be more appropriate and the phrases you receive back as your translation. So all of a sudden you have, you now know you have the most optimal uh, translated version of that listing that you possibly can without being from that market. So that's another tip I find really helpful for translations. Yeah, that's uh, that's great information there. What was the name of that site that you said? Um... Yeah, translated.net is, is okay. pretty good. I'll put yeah. that in the show notes, everybody, if you're listening, if you want to check that site out as well. Yeah, we actually uh, um, did a podcast uh, maybe a few weeks back about the importance of the listing translations when you go over to the, some of these overseas markets, because I think a lot of times, you know, if you have that U.S. listing, you're thinking, okay, I'll just use the Amazon services or I'll just hire somebody cheaply. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you might have that great product, but if they can't, if people can't find you in these other <laughs> markets because your keywords are just so wrong for that local market, yeah. um, you know, you're not going to do very well. So it's all 100%. about kind of just getting uh, customized for that local market with the lingo and the jargon. And, you know, we talked about the different words, you know, trunk and this and that. And it's like, yeah, you got to know that stuff and you got to speak the language correctly of the market that you're in. Otherwise, uh, your product may not uh, flourish. Yeah, and it's, this is simple stuff, honestly, as well. Uh, like, you know, for anybody listening, it's really simple stuff. It's not complex at all. It's as simple as I, I mentioned there. And, and, you know, there's people out there that can definitely help you with that. And also just remember, like, any, any you know, investment you incur here, the, it's minor. Like, it's, it's pennies on the dollar when you think about it because, like, you are able to expand your reach instantly by just translating something. Like you can get a product translated into multiple languages for like a few hundred bucks. Like it's, it's not gonna cost you thousands to do that. And all of a sudden you're just opening up your business. So it's really important to keep thinking long-term at all times when you're scaling your Amazon business or any business for that matter. Cause it's really easy to get sort of stuck in this mode of, well, oh, it's $400 or $500 to do this. Do I need to do all the languages? I'm just like, what are you talking about? Like this is a huge opportunity. Don't, don't like be penny wise, pound foolish, as we would say over here, be sensible, put your money where your mouth is and you're going to, you know, like I say, for pennies on the dollar, just be able to expand your business to, to millions more people. Yeah, that's great. Um, other, other things I'm just kind of curious about, let's say with a lot of these uh, EU countries and things like that from a, mm -hmm. um, 
a perspective of like seller central do all are all those markets online with pay-per-click and brand registry at this point or because i know sometimes yeah. it takes it takes a while before everything kind of gets rolled out from let's say what's on the dot com interface to sure. all these other markets and i know sometimes they slow roll it and and i think that tool wise and yeah. functionality everything is pretty much the same yep yeah, pretty much now. Yeah, absolutely. Brand registry and all is available. Absolutely. PPC is available in all the markets I talked about. And yeah, like, certainly whenever Amazon, now that they're getting better at rolling out countries, they're rolling it out with more features from uh, the earlier, uh, from day one. But yeah, like sometimes you see weird things. Like I remember when we first went into Italy and Spain, there was no description field, just they didn't have one. And it was like, okay, well, that's weird. But you know, it just wasn't part of that wasn't available yet so definitely there's little things like that sometimes you see but at this point in time uk germany france italy and spain are pretty well established at this point i mean germany and uk are huge markets now i don't have the exact figures they don't release them all the time uh but they're they're huge markets at this point like i mean germany there's uh 80 million people living in that country pretty much and the uk almost 60 million so you know between those two alone huge markets when you consider the US is 317 million people-ish. So you look at it like, I mean, Europe as a whole is actually a bigger market than the US people-wise. Uh, Consumer-wise, they don't spend quite as much money uh, as, as people in the US. US are, you know, <laughs> they're great consumers, you know, uh, for sure, uh, which is good. But again, European markets are just flourishing. And it's also important to, to mention, like if you look at e-commerce as a whole, even in the US right now, like, e-commerce is still only about 12, 13% of total retail sales. And that's growing all the time. In Europe, it's actually even even less. So these numbers are still relatively small in the grand scheme of things. It's going to keep growing. So now is a great time to plant your flag down and .com for sure, but also in these other markets and uh, in, in all these wide ranging niches, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So Stephen, let's, let's pivot just a little bit to product selection and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, specifically for like the European markets and things like that. So um, just kind of a, a question here. Do you have any, is there any categories or niches or just areas uh, that you kind of want the listeners to be aware of that might be good opportunities in Europe that maybe aren't good opportunities in the US? And I guess vice versa, yeah. like good and bad opportunities. Is there anything that you that you have seen or noticed trend wise over in Europe? Yeah, well, it's it's sort of tricky, like you know, because I mean, I, th I think as well, underlying product selection, you know, chat uh, could go on forever, right? Different people have different ways of looking at it. The way we structure our businesses, I think, is different to a lot of others in that we typically look for low competition non-trendy boring products uh, and we try to and we get them into as many markets as we can that's the underlying philosophy of what we do we don't get involved in hyper competitive niches uh, simply because we know like it's going to take a lot of really high quality uh, really competitive marketing to 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 outsell and outdo other people in those markets so we kind of avoid the really competitive items and we go for way wackier weirder items and we get them into as many markets as we can that said to to answer your question like there are definitely certain categories that are very strong, like the, the home category. And again, it changes its name so often, like it does in .com. It's, it's like home and kitchen, garden, outdoors, like those, those markets are great. The baby category is very big in Europe. Um, we don't sell in the beauty market, but it is a big market. And, and honestly, it, it's a very similar makeup to, to the US really in terms of like what's popular, what's not popular. There's just certain things in Europe that wouldn't be as big as the US. Obviously, like there's not a gun market and gun accessories market, 
like there would be in the US. Uh, you know, barbecuing and stuff like that is big in certain countries in Europe, but not as big in say, you know, it's still big in the UK and Ireland, of course, but not as just not as, like the same grill um, culture as it would be in say the US, right? So it's more a cultural thing than it is like, oh, like the baby market is huge in Europe, you gotta get into it. I would say like, if you just keep it simple and look at it as initially take your products that you're selling in .com, expand them into Europe, uh, just to take the additional incremental improvement in your business and sales, that's, that's kind of step one. And then as you go forward then, if you want to specifically research for Europe, you can. But I, I, I typically, we don't take that approach. We look in the, the .com, we spend a lot of our time researching there, or .co.uk, but we spend most of our time in .com. And we just find, look, if it works in .com, the most competitive market, within reason, we do check it, but within reason, it's gonna work in Europe because the people are similar. We all have quite similar tastes. It's only certain markets, there's not that same passion like the ones I outlined, you know? Okay. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the grilling example. That's my, uh, for my podcast here that the listeners would know that's my fictitious product examples all the time are grilling products and grilling accessory products because, uh, <laughs> yeah, grilling is a religion, um, in, in many parts of the United States. So that's oh, yeah. something that most people, you know, a lot of people can relate to, but it's definitely, uh, you know, people, I have friends and, and things like that that are just absolutely out of their minds about just grilling and it's like a lifestyle. So, yes, um, yes. we don't, and we have that as we do have it like in, in countries, but it's just not as like, and again, said in the, with so much respect because 70% of our customers are from the U S and they often laugh when we talk about it, but it's true. You know, like the U S is more extreme with many things than other countries, right? It's just, it's just the way that it works it's not a negative thing it's just it's just the way it is it's a bigger country there's more wide-ranging tastes so there's the, there's that real passion for certain things that the culturally other countries don't have as much of but that said i mean there's hundreds of millions of, of pounds and euro worth of uh, barbecue accessories sold in all these other countries but as you say yeah it certainly wouldn't be a religion then it would be more something nice to do when the weather is good you know yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned, Stephen, that you guys have a, a model where you look for kind of the low-hanging fruit, boring products, which I think is a fantastic model. Um, I guess, what are, what are some of the things that you're, when you're kind of looking for those low-hanging fruit, like what are you paying attention to? Like what metrics, are, yeah. if, if you have any like specifics to that, that maybe yeah. would help the listener out when you say low competition, low-hanging fruit. Okay, that's great. But like, what, vague, do you, what, right? do you, yeah, what do you really, yeah, what are you looking at? Yeah, there's a few things, but just to, just some quick fire, simple stuff that we look at to, to quickly validate. Number one, we would be looking at like the search results that come back from Amazon. We do a lot of our research within Amazon still. We don't use a lot of these other tools out there uh, for, for many reasons. And one of the biggest reasons is we want to be able to see what's going on in the market as a whole, rather than just giving a tool some very, you know, close parameters and it tells us what everybody else is seeing we want to see what's going on so we typically start with the top 100 products we know we're not going to sell any of those but then we just start clicking through them and start seeing what are other products related to those items that have been working and we typically keep our bsrs sub 20 sub 20,000 absolutely and we try to keep it like 5,000 to 20,000 you know that's kind of our range sometimes it can be less than that so that's kind of step one step two there's a lot more to it than this, but at a base level, we look at then, if we took the generic keyword, let's say it was plastic shoe box, we put it into Amazon, we, we need that number to be come back as less than 10,000 from Amazon. Ideally though, 
we want that number to be less than 1,000 search results from Amazon come back. So like if you typed in Carboy Carrier, which is an example we use sometimes, it's a little strap that you put around this thing called a Carboy. For anybody who doesn't know, it's a, it's a glass product typically where you put cider when you're making cider. Uh, so this Carboy Carrier, it's a little strap you put around that. Well, that's got like, again, I, it changes all the time, but like, you know, 300 results come back for that, right? And so all of a sudden we're more interested now because we found something that was related to a product that was working well. We've seen it doesn't have as many search results. Then we start looking at the listings. What's the listing quality look like? What are the titles look like? Are they, are they detailed? Are they short? Uh, bullet points, descriptions, are they using descriptions? Uh, what are their images like? Are they, have they got multiple images, six to eight images? So there's all this criteria that we have basically. And from there, we're just able to identify things that are just kind of not the norm product, but there's a real opportunity because all of a sudden you could do pack sizes of those items. You can have a better listing. You can have better images. You can use FBA. Sometimes these things are even FBM. And it's just, there's opportunities, so many opportunities in that end of the market. Whereas if you're sticking around the most competitive uh, listings, yeah, you could be selling thousands of an item every day, but man, it's going to take a lot of PPC on Amazon. You're going to have to be driving external traffic as well and doing a whole bunch of stuff that's just, you know, it's doable, but it's a lot more difficult, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's my next question, I guess. When you focus in on some of these lower hanging fruit, it seems like, you know, that's your, your main model there. Um, what does your marketing look like then? Is that, is that pretty much like uh, just running a little bit of PPC or like, would you yeah. have external lists or like what, what's kind of the, the nope. mindset there? Yeah, no. And again, I'm going to say something to everybody, everybody listening, like there's pros and cons for every model on Amazon. Uh, the model that we teach. So there's, so that's why I started this conversation by saying there's the marketplace model and there's the brand model. We teach the marketplace model, which is we stay on Amazon, we sell on Amazon, we go globally on Amazon, uh, we run Amazon PPC to our products, uh, but we don't run external traffic to these products. Typically, uh, we don't have email lists, we don't do things like that because our audience, that's not what they want to do. They want to build an Amazon-based business, a simple lifestyle business, one that can, with many of our members, the scale to millions doing it. Uh, and again, what's the pro to that? It's more simple. It's simplified. It's easier to do. What's you know? What's the con? Obviously, yeah, you're not building your own platform. You're not building your own lists. All of those different things. Uh, but but again, like that's just weighing up the way you want to do business. So that's why I say there's the marketplace model and there's the brand model. Typically, we find then when you validate that your products work well through the marketplace model, they work well globally. We find people take their top 20% of items and yeah, now you move to the brand model. You build your website, you build your lists, you build your marketing around those because you validated that they work on Amazon in the first place. So that's sort of how our model works. It's different to a lot of people. Again, I, I, I think I know for a fact because I build multiple businesses that have their own email lists. There's a massive benefit to that. But again, it depends what it is you're looking to do. It depends the types of products you're looking to sell. I mean, if you're selling and we've got a member who sells, you know, the the covers underneath a washing machine to stop it from scratching the floor. I mean, let's face it, it's going to get kind of be hard to build a, a movement around that product, you know? <laughs> so, so like, that's the thing, you know, it's, it, it's all about the strategy that you pick, you know? And so that's why I make it really clear. And of course, there's lots of people will scoff and say, Oh, it's no good. You're not building your own email list, etc. Oh, you're so much risk because you're only on Amazon. But Hey, like no matter what you do, like, you're always at the mercy of a platform. Even if you're doing email marketing, you're at the mercy of your provider. It, 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 so, so there's pros and cons to everything. And I make that clear to people early on because I'm aware of the pros and cons. And so 
the model we teach is the model that has worked well for a lot of our members, worked well for us. And yeah, we do, we do scale up after that, but we do start with the marketplace methodology. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think that's just great insight just for the listeners out there. Uh, you know, there's not just one single model you have to follow. There's, you can do a lot of there's different so models and whatever works best for you or whatever most excites you, then go for that and try it out or whatever. So there's, again, not one way to, to make money on Amazon or in e-commerce. There's multiple, not many ways. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the way, the way we kind of, just to give everybody the real, like, where do you want to get to with a business? We like to think of it like, what if you had 50 products, you know, eventually you, you amassed a, a, an army of 50 products and, he, and each product, like, actually I'll break down something called the rule of five first, just so people can see where we're going with this first of all. So we say, look, if you've got five products, you're making five sales per day in five different markets. So five products, five markets, five sales per day per product per market. You're making an average of $5 net profit. Obviously, this is just a model. You could be making $3, $10, who knows? But the point is at $5 for five products in five countries, five sales per day per product per country, that's an average monthly net profit of $18,750. So like the point is with a small number of products, making a small number of sales in a, in a number of countries, you can multiply sales. And yeah, like you don't own those customers, you don't own the list, but at the end of the day, like it's a nice model certainly to get into the business. And and, it, and some people never move off that model. I know people doing, I know a guy in, in the UK doing about 8 million a year on Amazon. He's not, he, and he just uses marketplaces. He doesn't use other platforms. And yeah, he, he knows, he understands. Yeah, I could have my own email list. I could have this, I could have that. But at the end of the day, when you're following the, we, we, don't, we don't do anything gray hat, black hat, or anything like that. We follow simple rules that Amazon provide. We utilize the marketplace in, in its correct form. Uh, and again, if you can get to 50 products eventually, and, and you've got 50 items in selling in five countries, you're making just a small number of sales in each, in each country, like you can really amass quite a, quite a cool business there. Uh, and again, yeah, maybe down the line that you build a brand and you go that route. But some people don't want to do that. And I think... It's kind of like with entrepreneurship, you know, we have this thing of everyone should be an entrepreneur. Sometimes people just want to build a side business. Sometimes people don't want to build a business. And I think it's just like, there's a, there's a hundred different ways to succeed on Amazon is, is the, is the real deal, you know? Yeah. Hey, that's great information there. Hopefully the listeners, you guys understand it. That's yeah. You don't have to follow one particular model. You don't all have to be a Gary Vaynerchuk and, you know, build a exactly. personal brand around your passion. I mean, if you want to, Hey, the, the platform's there, knock yourself out, exactly. have fun. You know, you can do great with it, but there's multiple yeah. different ways of doing things. So, uh, Steven kind of winding things down here. I uh, just wanted to dive into one last thing. Um, okay. before, before we kind of send off here, uh, I want to talk just quickly about like, do you have any conversion tips or like tips to improve sales? Like on the listing, like things that you have worked, like maybe anything unique or specific that, uh, you guys do with your listings to kind of drive conversions yeah. or you just follow a simple model of great pictures, great copy or, like what's, what, yeah, is, what is it that you do? I would say, I would say it comes down to the product research strategy more so than anything else, you know, because yes, if you're in a super competitive niche and every listing is really good, then you're going to have to have really top level copy. You're going to have to have really top level imagery, branding, the whole deal. Uh, you're you're going to have to invest in premium level uh, descriptions and all of that to make it work. The types of products we sell, honestly, Nick, you don't have to be that good. <laughs> I mean, you really don't. Uh, they're, they're, the listings typically in the markets that our, our clients go into, we go into, they're not that great. 
the titles are poor, that everything's really poor because people don't get that excited about the products we sell. We do because we think they're great, but people then in the larger market, they want to, they want to get involved and they want to, you know, chase the hundred sales or plus per, per day, which I get. I mean, I, to, I totally understand the excitement of that. So, so really with us, just great imagery is very important. It's, it's the most important thing in my, in my opinion. Obviously, the title is critical because they're not going to click in if they don't, you know, if they don't see what they need from the title. And really, I would say imagery is is the biggest thing once your title is, is quality because with our products, like you just don't have to be the best copywriter in the world. And I know it's 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 like a disappointing answer, but it's just the honest answer because we're using a specific model that informs every single step on from that. Whereas I know if I was selling a more competitive item, which I could easily do and have done. It, then I have to adapt to, well, what do I have to do competitively to stand out against the people who are already ranking and already making sales, you know? So what you're telling me, Stephen, is that if I'm selling under washer mats, I probably <laughs> don't, I don't need uh, video and enhanced brand content to sell that product. Probably. You do not. No, <laughs> no, definitely not. And, and that's just, that's just been real, you know, like those things are amazing. And for, for the types of products, a lot of people are, rushing to sell you're going to require those 100 but man our items like it's you know as i always say yeah, you you can't get passionate about those kinds of products even a carboy carrier yeah like you could go and get all the enhanced brand content and all of that but i mean geez like the competition is not that stiff you you don't need any of that stuff and you'll out convert everybody you know well, maybe uh, fast forward a year or two and, and that guy with the list, those types of listings will have video and, and all this and that. And then you got to step your yeah. game up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and that's it, you know, and that's, that, that's it. Yeah. Maybe at that point that, that you know, the market changes, yeah. the market shifts, you know, yeah. and, and you got to be in tune with that too, you know? Yeah. But for now we're good. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> so, um, Steven, this has been just awesome learning all about Europe. And I know that the audience is just loving this. I would highly encourage you guys as you know, part of your growth plans for your businesses to consider expanding to uh, the European markets. Obviously, uh, Stephen, you guys have, you know, some services and a lot of knowledge, not, not just what you uh, talked about here today, but beyond that, if I'm certain if you guys have questions for Stephen, um, you can absolutely reach out to him. So Stephen, where, where can people find you online if they do have more questions? Because naturally, like we were talking about VAT sure. tackets, we're talking about business entity stuff, like they oh, can yeah. listen to the podcast, you know, those specific parts again and again, but naturally they're probably going to have more questions because it's a little technical. Oh, it's very technical. I understand. And yeah. They want somebody to kind of, I know for me, I'm just kind of like the type of person, like I want to learn a little bit about it, but if it seems a little bit too much, I'll just say, Hey, do it for me. <laughs> like, Absolutely. I don't, I totally get that. Yeah. And yeah, so, so the answer is we've, there's a number of things you can do. I mean, number one, you can obviously go to marketplace, superheroes.com, check us out, opt in to our list and everything else. And if you send us a, a, you know, a support ticket, we can help you out there. No problem. If you've got specific things, if you want to reach me specifically, the best place to do it, it's kind of a secret thing. Go to Instagram, Stephen J. Summers. I have a very small following there. And so I actually do respond to DMs over there. So if you want to ask me specific questions, do it there and I can point you in the right direction. We have an entire advisory team to help the companies get set up in Europe. Uh, we have our whole freight company as well. We can ship your products from China to Europe, China to the US, et cetera. Uh, massive discounts because of the way we have things set up. So look, you can, you can ask me about any of those and we'll, we'll put them in front of you. And also down the line, I'm sure we can provide some more links uh, whenever a lot of those things are more publicly available for everybody. But look, I can make all those available to your listeners, Nick, no problem. Just reach out to me on Instagram, 
or send us a support ticket. And we also have a free Amazon group that honestly, not that much happens in there. It's called Amazon Superheroes. But if you just want to go in there and post a question relating to what we talked about today, we will see it. We'll pick it up and respond to you. So any of those are going to be good to get the help you need. And we're here for anybody who needs help. Um, we're, you know, we're, we're just, we're here to work with people long-term because that's how we become successful when clients become successful with us long-term. Okay. That's awesome. Anything that you just mentioned there, uh, Stephen, I'll make sure I get linked up in the show notes for the listeners in case if they want a direct link to things, if they're driving right now, they can't remember. Obviously you guys know, I put all the, all those uh, important links out uh, in the show notes to so make sure you guys check those out as well. But Stephen, man, this has been awesome. Great education in, in Europe. And I am absolutely pumped about Europe right now. I know a lot of the listeners are, but um, you know, just thank you so much for sharing that wealth of information uh, sure. for us here on the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, you know, um, maybe we'll do it again sometime. We'll get in depth on uh, some other fun stuff. Absolutely. And, and thanks for having me on, Nick. I really appreciate it. And thank you for building this whole um, podcast because it takes a lot of effort, a lot of work. I know how much effort it takes. And thanks for, for sticking in there and, and, and adding value to everybody and for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Oh, great. Glad to have you. Thank you again. And we'll talk soon. Thanks, man. Okay. Wow. That was crazy. Tons and tons of awesome value being dropped by Steven there. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you again, Stephen. We really, really appreciate your insight and your expertise on the Amazon European marketplaces. And I, as I mentioned in the uh, interview, guys, if there's anything that you were unsure of that you want to listen to, again, go back and listen to some of those parts again, especially when we was talking about the business entity stuff, the VAT stuff, and how to get set up with logistics and things like that. I think there's some uh, amazing insights and pieces of information there for you guys that will help you out greatly. So yes. So what we're going to do now is just dive into a couple of takeaways that I had three to be exact. And you guys can compare notes at home and see what stood out for you. So the first takeaway that I want to bring up that I thought was pretty cool has to do with the different selling models that Steven talked about. So he did talk about two different ones, essentially, um, you know, the, the brand selling model he talked about. And that's something that I talk about a lot on this podcast. But he said, hey, there's a different option out there that you might want to consider, and that is what he, what he calls the market selling model. So if you remember what he says that, you know, you're going to find a whole bunch of different products kind of all over the board. They don't have to be in any particular niche, but you're going to find random products that are low competition, kind of low hanging fruit, uh, unsexy, kind of boring products where there's just not a whole lot of competition and you're not aiming to sell like 50 or 100 units a day of any particular product, you may only be selling, you know, four or five or six units a day. And the thing is, you're going to be aiming to make, you know, maybe five or $10 or maybe even more uh, profit per unit, something like that. And if you can do that, you can create a pretty darn nice business. Once you uh, have a product that works maybe in, I don't know, in the UK or something like that, then you could expand that to Germany or these other marketplaces out there. And before you know it, you're selling um, five units a day in each country or in each marketplace, and then you could just rapidly multiply that. And what Steven uh, really liked about that model is it requires a lot less effort in marketing. So yes, you're still going to need nice pictures and great copy, but beyond that, you may not need to spend a ton of money with uh, pay-per-click or launches or things like that because it may not necessarily be required. So I thought that that was an interesting 
um, way of selling that I wanted to share and a great takeaway. So the second takeaway that I wanted to share has to do with some of the specifics of kind of expanding in Europe, some of the logistical things uh, that Stephen talked about. So he recommended um, trying to expand out to the UK first. So if, maybe if you have uh, Amazon.com listings in English, maybe you send over a handful of units over to the UK uh, just to kind of test the waters over there. And as far as the listings and the languages, it'll be fairly similar. So you can kind of tweak that yourself to get it set up. And uh, you did say that you might want to start off by using the EFN, which is the European Fulfillment Network, just to kind of test the waters before you really go big. And obviously, as your needs change, you can go to different fulfillment options after that. So you're sending in all your freight to kind of one place early on, and it'll kind of get distributed and sent out by Amazon to the other countries if orders come in. But that's just a good place to start. And um, he did say, yeah, you need to get set up with the business entity in the UK, as an example, if you wanted to go that route. And, um, you know, I think for, for things like that, as we mentioned, you may just want to consult with uh, with Marketplace Superheroes on how to get set up correctly for your business needs, your VAT stuff, your banking and things like that. So I think that was kind of the takeaway, but he did kind of drop in there exactly what you need to know and how to start doing it. So if you want to go back and listen to that part of the podcast, I would definitely recommend it. So the third and final takeaway, Stephen recommended that you get your listings properly translated when you're entering in all of these different marketplaces in the EU, okay? So whether that be Germany, France, whatever, you got to make sure for your products that the listings are speaking directly to the people in that marketplace correctly, okay? So you're not going to want to use, as he said, you're not going to want to use Amazon's listing translation services or whatever. Uh, they just aren't very good. So he recommended spending a little bit of extra money, hiring a professional to do it for you. So that way, the, uh, the listing speaks directly and correctly to that marketplace and that you're using all the correct keywords for that specific marketplace, okay? Because if you don't have the right keywords, it's not translated correctly, you may not get found in search, and therefore, nobody's gonna see your awesome grill brushes, okay? So it's really, really important. Spend a little bit of extra money. He did say that Marketplace Superheroes could help you guys out with that. Or if you guys remember from episode 135, YLT Translations is also available. So wanted to bring that up because it is very, very critical. Okay, so that about does it for today's episode, guys. Going to wrap this one up. Again, just a reminder on Jungle Scout. Make sure you get entered in that contest. Find the YouTube channel. Subscribe. Hit the notifications bell. Like the video. And then comment, I want Jungle Scout. Make sure you knock that out right now if you have not already because we're picking a winner very soon. And I want that winner to be you, okay? So as mentioned, all of the show notes and links that we talked about, the important stuff, in today's episode, you can find them over at privatelabelershow.com forward slash 138, okay? And if you guys have any questions on what we talked about here today, make sure you fire away in our Facebook group. You can find that in by going to the Facebook search bar and typing in Amazon FBA and just filtering it by the groups. And the group name is Amazon FBA. So get joined up in there, requested to join. I'll get you in. That way you guys can fire away any questions, comments, concerns that you had about today's episode or anything else for that matter. So that's going to about do it. And if guys, if you haven't subscribed or if you haven't uh, left a uh, review for the podcast yet, please do so. Please do so on iTunes. I think we're at like 180 some reviews. I want to get to 200 reviews and I need your guys' 
help in doing that. So if you've ever taken any value away from my content or anything like that, please show the love and leave an awesome iTunes review. It would certainly mean a lot to me. So you can do that. There's a shortcut link. You go to privatelabelershow.com forward slash iTunes and leave that review. If not, just manually find the podcast on iTunes. So that about does it, guys. Have a great day. Take some action. And we'll talk to you later. This episode of The Private Labeler Show has ended. Please show your support for the podcast by subscribing for more business strategies and tactics to help you build your empire. Also, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.